on episode 68 of Pixel Gaiden. Cody talks from a new echoey room. Did you lust after your friend's games? We discuss our retro goals. We discuss the exciting new Switch Online news. Another Galaga port. And more Pico 8 games. Six good gory titles. Cody drinks some near beer. While Tim talks about an acorn? Another visitor. Stay while. Stay forever. Welcome to Pico And Cody All right, Eric, it is October. It is fall is here, baby. And that means a spooky episode of Pixel Guide In. Yes. I think October. Well, the next one will be spookier, but this one could be spooky. Yeah, we're leaning into it. Everyone's probably at this point, you know, what is it, the 15th at this point? So, uh, you know, you guys down there in the suburbs probably have like pumpkins and ghosts and ghouls stuck in the front yard. Like a thousand dollars worth of Home Depot animatronic uh, designs in the front yard moving around and making sound effects. I just have Pac-Man. My, have my, Pac-Man. my go-to Pac-Man thing. I don't even know what to call it. It's, a <laughs> it's like a, a thing. It's punk man, right? It's like a pumpkin it, Pac-Man eating the Pac-Man ghosts. Yep. It's a big inflatable pumpkin Pac-Man eating ghosts, which is pretty cool. I've had it for a very long time. I was going to say, yeah, that, that would that would sell like hotcakes. It was still on the market because retro is huge right now. Yep. Uh, so why, don't you tell, why don't you tell our listeners, Cody, why you sound a little different this episode? So, yeah, so I do sound different. Yeah. Um, so... Up front, uh, I moved into the new place. Um, I've been here for about two weeks now. I am uh, I am now a ruralite, ruralite rather than a suburbanite. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So lots of changes, Eric. Lots of changes. I'll be quick about it. But the biggest one for this episode and next episode, as we record them together, um, is that I am in an empty office for in the new house with very little stuff on the wall. So it's probably echoey. I also don't have most of my equipment as it is, it is all boxed somewhere. So we're working on getting that out. Um, fun fact, I'm actually living with the previous owners. They, we have a guest house on the property here. And so they are living in that house for a few more weeks. So that's where all this stuff is going to be going into the guest house, which will be man cave slash recording studio central. So that it will be good. It's going to be good. But right now, we're a little skim here. So... We're going to make this magic happen regardless. Your voice sounds a little deeper, like rich Corinthian leather. So I just want to welcome all the Pixel Gaiden listeners. <laughs> exactly. To the show. This is a sexy time. Sexy time dating show. That's it. So real quick, let's go ahead and let everyone know what's happening on the show this week. Um, we've got Tea Time with him covering the Acorn Electron. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, and then later on, we're going to talk about six good gory games. Is that correct? Gory yes. or bloody or how do we want to put it? I just said bloody slash gore in the notes. So I'm just bloody slash gory because we did scary g- 
games last last October, so I wanted to change it up a little bit. Yeah, no, I just want the I just want the gore. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's going on this episode. Of course, we're going to cover some news, and then uh, just so you guys know, in the future episode here that's coming out on the thirtieth, that'll be episode sixty nine. Eric, uh, that episode will have Eric's take. You're talking about Ode to Fall. You have an ode. I have an ode to fall, and I cover all the bases. I talk about retro games, I talk about retro-inspired games, and I talk about beer. And fall. In fall time. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have a battle of the systems that uh, I guess Tim and you kind of put together. Yes, we did. It's going to be uh, Pop and Twinby on the, I guess, technically be Super Famicom and okay. or, or Super Nintendo, if you're in the States here. Or Switch, because it is out on Switch now in the, ah, in the yes. Super Nintendo thing. Yes, yes. Or you could, uh, I'm sorry, or versus <laughs> da, 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 uh, Twinkle Tail, which is a game that Tim uh, pulled out of his hat. I had never heard of it before, and I was really glad he did because it was a really, really cool game. It's on the Sega Genesis or Mega Drive, depending on where you're from. Uh, and it, so basically, it's kind of a cute em up, you know, versus cute them up i guess they're both kind of cute them ups in their own respect but yeah. you'll have to listen to uh the episode on the 30th episode 69 yes. to hear more uh, yep. we want to make sure you guys listening know that we are part of the amigos retro video game network which includes shows such as the amigos everything amiga arg presents sprite castle r sinclair the coco show and 1200 xl um all great shows all worth listening to even though pixel guide and you know I'm a little biased. You know, we're just a little bit better than the rest. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, we, we are definitely longer than all of them. <laughs> this is true. Oh, that's what I meant. When I meant shows. better, when I meant better, <laughs> I meant longer. I, I, I didn't realize there was a difference between quantity and quality. Here we deliver quantity yes, <laughs> and quality. Is, and that is, yeah, substantiated. Uh, Eric, yeah. let's hop into some quick questions. All right, so for our first quick question today, Eric, is there a system or a game that you lusted after as a kid, something that you're like, I must have that? Like when I was in sixth grade, I remember I lusted after an Intellivision because I didn't know I didn't have any. I didn't I knew no one that had one. And whenever my friend Jesse and I would ride our bikes to Toys R Us, which was like 10 miles away, <laughs> we would uh, see in television there and we'd see B1 Bomber playing and it had the voice synthesizer. Bomber. Yep. It blew our minds. And so I, I remember specifically like really, really wanting that. And that's really the only one I really lusted after until I saw the Commodore 64 much, you, m- many couple of years later. So did, did you have the 2600 at that point then? I never had a 2600. Oh, I only okay. had um, a Pong clone and then an Atari 5200. Yeah, the Intellivision, if I could go back in time, I think that was a different question we asked on a previous show, but I would, out of those first round of systems, man, that Intellivision is the one I probably would have wanted. Yeah. Um, for me, the only, I was thinking about my own question here. Um, I was kind of too young when the NES first came over. I, we just kind of eventually got one. I never really thought about owning it. Um, so the first thing I really lusted after as a kid, I would say is I remember my buddy and I wasn't even into other systems. Like I heard about stuff coming out sometimes, but I didn't like follow it religiously or anything. 
but my buddy had got a Super Nintendo, and when he got it, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know it was something that was coming out. Like, I, I had no idea what the news was about. But I ran over there. He had two games. One was uh, some kind of you know WWF wrestling game, which he was obsessed with, and I could care less. Um, <laughs> but then he did have Super Mario World, and I remember in particular the sound made me want that game so bad because that that game had all those cool orchestral sounds. It did. But like when yeah. you went underground, it had the um, like the echo, like the reverb. Like you felt like you were in a different area. Like you could hear that like. Like and then the echo afterwards, kind of like my yeah. mic probably sounds like right now. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. to me that that sound just dripped quality, and uh, and it was a Mario game, which I already loved Mario games. So, you know, I had Mario three and stuff. So that would be the one for me. Awesome. So Eric, That's did you? Great. Uh, <laughs> that is great. That is great. I was wondering if you've ever been to this. Um, this it just popped up on my screen. This this website I found. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this, Cody. I'm yeah. going to ask you a question. Ask because I know you're a little younger than I am. Have you ever heard of the Have you ever heard of the phrase "Be kind, rewind"? I have actually heard that. Do you remember <laughs> do, you, do you remember hearing it at Blockbuster or any other place? I I actually yeah we I rented videotapes that was not that was not was past it? me. I oh, thought yeah, you were I, in the era of DVDs. No, 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 I, I did okay. videotape, so it wasn't it, that was that was a thing. And yeah, they had the smiley face on it, but said "Be kind, yeah. rewind." But they also said, "Also, please don't rewind like right after you watch the tape. Like wait until it cools off and then rewind." There was oh, a lot of process, that. yeah, because it was all warm. And you rewound. It was supposed to like stretch the tape and like ruin <laughs> it more. And speaking of warm rewinds, uh huh, uh huh. See how I segued into that? And then you and then there's a cool it. website called RetroRewind.ca, and if you own a Commodore, you owe yourself to go to this place and a buy Commodore, stuff. A Commodore what, though, Eric? Which Commodore? Any of them. Commodore Amiga, Commodore any 64, Commodore, Commodore? 20 Any Commodore. Uh, uh, yeah, Commodore 16 plus 4, Commodore Amiga, Commodore 128, 64. You, you name it, they got it. They got something for you, and... One thing I wanted to highlight this um, on this episode was they do now sell a C64, C128 Wi-Fi modem. So huh. if you don't know what a BBS is or you want to experience uh, what it was like before the internet got big, uh, BBSs were places you could go and hang out on forums and, and uh, chat. It was basically usually one person on a BBS at a time. There were some multi-line ones, but most of the time it was just somebody running a single line one from their home. And nowadays you can recreate that with a Wi-Fi modem. You don't have to deal with phone lines anymore. You don't have to deal with modems. You just get this Wi-Fi modem, plugs into the user port in the back of the C64 or 128, and you can issue AT commands to the modem to dial out and dial in the BBSs and experience a whole new world. Still something I have not still something I have not tried yet, but it is cool. I'm looking at it now. It does cover the C64 and the C128. And uh, yep. it's got a pretty good price, Eric. It is 38 bucks and you get a, if you want it cheaper than that, let me tell I, you how you can do that. If you want it cheaper, you go to retro rewind.ca slash pixel You yes. put that in your cart and then you put in the promo code PG 10 and you get 10% off. I'm doing that now. Can you hear it? Doing it. Can you hear me doing it? <laughs> I can hear it. Yeah. 10% <laughs> off. That 10%. is a that's, deal. That's a lot. 
So please head on down so, to our sponsor, RetroRewind.ca forward slash PixelGuideIn. Save yourself 10% off with PG10 as the code when you check out. And we want to thank our sponsor, Retro Rewind, for sponsoring this episode. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, Eric, I have another quick question for you. Well, let's do this. Do you have any retro goals this year? Retro inspired or related goals? For the coming year or for, to wrap this year up? Um, I guess that was a weird question the way I put it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, guess, I guess this is a New Year's kind of thing. No, the, the year is winding down, Eric. The days are getting shorter. It's getting darker yep. outside. We're going to be hunkered down here in our homes. We're going to have hopefully a little more time with our, uh, our beloved computers and consoles. So yeah. what do you want to finish before the year's up? Well, let me tell you, I do want to finish that SX64, and that's going to be, a, um, you know, catching up in our, in our catching up episode. I'm going to talk more about the SX64, but I want to dial that in. I'm about probably halfway done with it right now, but I want to get it all dialed in and running perfectly. And I want to kind of use that as my main C64 for a little while just to get the, a good feel for it. Very cool. Um and, and I've been doing a lot of work on that thing. Um, but as far as gaming in, in particular, um, I am trying to wrap up uh, Super Mario Bros. 3. And ah. I'm, I'm on the last world right now. And I'm, that's going to be in catching up, too. Um, let's see. I, I can't think of any other retro goals right now. I, I have been working on a secret project. Not a secret one, but a project for... Uh, the retroist gave me this old, old Telstar arcade palm yeah, yeah. console. It's kind of a triangular. I still haven't gotten that thing working. I've been trying oh, everything I can. I cannot get video out of it. I've tried everything. I've replaced uh, chips. I've, I've reflowed solder. I've done everything. It still gives me nothing on the screen. I mean, you can, you, you get something, you can barely see it, but it looks so bad. It's, it's unplayable. So I'm going to continue trying to work on that. Um, don't put it in I the box like of broken better. dreams just yet nope it's not there yet it's hanging on it's, it's hanging <laughs> on by a thread so what's your retro goals this year well that's kind of obvious at this point the main one is <clears> to get the uh the the game room put back together once i get the access to the guest house over there and get the studio mm-hmm. set up part of that um if you guys listen to the i believe last episode of pixel guide in i kind of just went on a rant talking about all the things i'd love to do in that room <laughs> Yeah, I kind of ask people for feedback and stuff. I'm very excited about it. Uh, but one part of that room is to also have a little workshop space set up with my soldering iron and everything, so that it's yes. actually in in the um, you know air conditioned and heated uh, building itself with all the tools ready to go at all times. So I'm not, um, you know, previously I was sequestered into one little corner of my garage on one tiny little uh, half sized table. Um. So I want to get that workbench all set up. And um, my first project, one I've been wanting to do for a very long time, very simple. But uh, my Commodore Plus 4, um, which works for the most part, looks pretty good. But it must have one bad uh, chip of RAM because I'm getting weird artifacts. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember playing playing games. I finally got a couple games. I found a couple that would run. Um and when you're running around the screen, there'd be little dots on the screen that were just like artifacts from that RAM chip. And when you hit them, they would actually register as a hit and kill the guy. <laughs> oh, man. So it was actually affecting gameplay and everything. Um, so I can almost guarantee you that I could probably find those Commodore Plus 4 chips on RetroRewind.ca and use 
code pixel pg10 to save 10 percent or more or less or exactly 10 percent on uh on the ram chips i need to do that so that's going to be my goal by the end of the year get that thing set up and get the uh commodore plus four running awesome that would be a nice little machine to have running. I only have it in emulation right now, but I, 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 there was that one episode we did where I explored some of the games on the plus four and to my surprise, some of them were really good. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, Eric, this is the part where normally I play the amazing, um, well thought out, well produced Patreon list because if yes. you guys did not know, we are on Patreon. Um, yes. So I'm going to run the little ditty right now. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm slash Amigos Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter at pixel underscore Gaiden. You can reach me, Eric, at Duh Project, D-U-H Project. You can reach Cody at Oddball, which is at O-D-D-B-A-1149. Or you can reach Tim Drew at Sanction at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the podcatchers that you use. It helps us quite a bit. You can email us at podcast at pixelguiden.com. We love the feedback as well as anything we get wrong. Please let us know and we'll mention it on the next show. All right, Eric. Now, at this point in the show, we've gotten past the part you just said, all the good stuff about how you can contact us. And I'm supposed to do some clever thing with all these names. Um... I moved, Eric. I didn't have time or the materials or anything set up. So I'm going to go ahead and just play some random music under here. Okay. And I'm going to read the uh, the same random adjectives and names that I had last month, although we did update it. Uh, so I want to sure. thank all of our patrons, including the bloody Henrik Lofel, the limping Dustin Newell, the expensive Matthew Ackerman, the obsequious Daniel James, the scarce Josh Malone, the Rapid Eric Sandgren, The Curly David Vincent, The Important 10-Minute Amigo Retrocast, The Illustrious Roy Fielding, The Ripe Mr. Toast, The Nappy Mache Sosnowski, The Violent <laughs> Paradroid, The Finicky Ramoke Ramoke, The Defiant Ant Stiller, The Groovy, I have to say it like that, uh, Mitsuyama, you know what that's from, right, Eric? Yes, I do. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Oh, no. oh that kind of does sound like it. No, Earthworm Jim. Oh. <laughs> you uh, said the, like you <laughs> It does, it does. The elite yeah. citizen, the wistful Gary Heather, the loutish Brian Arsenault, the ultra Paul Jap- Jacobson, uh, and the plush Jason Holland. Yeah. So, thank y'all. Thank you, Patreons. Patreons. I always have a weird thing saying that. Patrons. Patrons. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, We do really appreciate it. It makes it so much easier for us to do our shows when we can cover the cost of the web hosting, the podcast hosting, and and we are saving a little money and putting it aside. So hopefully we can go to some events or do something soon with that money. and, And we just really, really appreciate it. So, Eric, um, another thing we didn't mention is obviously because I'm no longer in the Elk Grove, we are on mm-hmm. separate computers in an hour apart now, which means we can't right. share share delicious beers together and cheers in person. Um, also, we, we will again. We will again someday. This this is going to happen. This gap, but I'm still thirsty for a beer. So yes, so let's let me, do that. I'll start with what I'm drinking today. And first of all, Eric, can I uh, ask you: Is your beer a twist off? My beer is not a twist off. 
Mine is because it is a shiny mountains are blue or Coors Light. Uh, oh my! Because <laughs> that's what I have at the moment. I You're have, really slumming it. I have. I do have one other beer. We'll have later on in the show because I got a keg in my kegerator. Uh, yeah. It made the move, and it's still good. But <laughs> I've the, got the a keg of beer to finish The rural life has really up. changed you. The rural life has really changed you, Cody. It, no, the move has changed me. So here we go. I'm going to open mine here. Yours and sounds and looks so much better. I am drinking a device brewing company, which is right here in Sacramento. And it is their Oktoberfest. Look at that. Ah, I did their see that. Oktoberfest. I, was... I, ha- I have not tried this yet, so it could be bad. Could be good. I do not know. He is pouring. He is pouring. I was at device not too long ago. In fact, right the day before we moved, my wife and I went, went there and... To the one in the pocket, as they call it? The one in the pocket. I do actually, I like the food there more than the beer. I'll be honest with you. They have really good food. Yeah. A lot of their beers have just gotten, I don't know, kind of stale and, and stuff like that. But I do, they are coming back. I mean, I, I've, I've gotten, a, like, uh, my neighbor brought over a growler full of, um, it was called a Euro Dark Lager. And it was, it was warm and toasty. It was cold, cold beer, but... It had a very malty and toasty flavor. It was very good. And that was from Device. So nice. they have some good stuff. I mean, they, they're, they are coming around. They're, they have a lot of new, exciting beers. But this one is just an Oktoberfest. It's in a blue can, Tallboy, Sacramento. So cheers. Cheers. Boom. I'm going to make the sound effects. All right. I tried mine. I'm ready to rate it. <laughs> <laughs> How's that Coors Light? Is it Coors Light or Coors? Coors Light. This is Oof. not the banquet right. beer. This is the uh, Rockies or Blue. Um, <laughs> All right. I'm of, ready then. Out of uh, a below average snowfall, <laughs> I'm going to give this, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I like most all beers. I like Coors Light. I enjoy it. All right. Um, okay. We've been doing lots no of yard work that. around here. In fact, yep. one of the things I've been doing is learning how to drive my new tractor. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeehaw. I've been out there. We had a, we already had a tree fall down on the property, so I had to go buy a chainsaw, and I had to cut it up and use the tractor to move it all over to the wood pile, and then feed the goats with the leaves and all kinds of crazy stuff. And know it's, know it's delicious to drink while you're doing all that hard work in the sun, Eric. Coors Light. A nice 6 out of 10 Coors Light. <laughs> Six out of ten. I'll give it sixty percent. minus of course, like <laughs> a sixty percent of the average snowfall is what I'm going to give this. Right on. This one, I, I mean, I don't want to rub your nose in anything, so I'm just going <laughs> to keep my comments to a minimum. But this Oktoberfest is top notch, I have to say, and I've been is drinking it? a lot of different Oktoberfests. This is really, really good. Um, so I'm going to give this what? What was the snowfall? Hundred out of a hundred percent. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I'm going to give this uh I'm going to give this an 86%. Ooh, that's up there. It's really good. good. Very malty, caramel, car- caramelly. Uh um, I like it. It's very good. Very very good. So This one's a winner. I like wiener. it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um All right. We um well, we have a quick bit of news before we start the news. Yeah, and that, that is, um, first of all, we want you to subscribe to both uh, the YouTube.com forward slash Pixel Guide channel 
and the twitch.tv forward slash pixel guide channel uh, for our videos relating to episodes and streaming from Tim. And um, it's the news before the news, but the uh, Pixel Guiden YouTube channel reached 100 whole subscribers, Eric. Yep, uh, we're, so we, our, we just, we, you know, we just launched that. So I'm going to give ourselves a pat on the back. 100 subscribers, that's a milestone. So, yeah, yay! Yep. And our 100th subscriber was Yawning Angel. So thank you very much to them and all who have subscribed for, so far. I have a video I'm, I've been doing on a Vectrix that I was trying to get out last month. But the move caught up too fast, and uh, it's still not quite in the can. So, working on that shortly. Look forward to that. Um, and I'll just go ahead and let us hop right into the news now. Reporting the news! All right. Hopping right into the news here. Our first one is from our boy Tim. I can take this one since you got the next one here. Okay. Tim says the Evercade versus is delayed. What a surprise. Everything is getting delayed this day. Don't order anything unless you expect that it's going to be delayed because everything is delayed these days. But anything with a chip in it. Yep. Evercade versus is delayed. The Evercade versus is now delayed until early to mid December for UK and EU pre orders and US pre orders looking like they will not get it now until January. Uh, Tim says here, all units have been completed and are ready to be shipped. However, they have not been able until now to secure shipping from the manufacturers. If you have ordered a Founders Edition, then you may get that by early December. Uh, I didn't get the Founders. I was just going to wait until I could just buy it outright. You were in the same boat, right, Cody? I was. And so that's why when it came um, down to, I think, just a few days here until Mm -hmm. a few weeks until it was supposed to come out on November 3rd, I think. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't heard about any delays. I pre-ordered it through Amazon.com because they had the pre-orders open. And I clicked the button and literally literally less than eight hours later, I heard this news. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> I waited to avoid any of that garbage. And oh, well. So I just decided to... I, I, I knew that it was going to get delayed. I, I knew that it was. And I, I, I am looking forward to this. I'm not being a negative Nelly about it, but... I'm just going to wait until I can just, I just want to click on stuff and order them. I, yep. I don't want to be in on pre-order lists. I, 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 I'm just, I'm so tired of that. So I'm not doing it anymore. Yep. No, I don't, I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, Eric, did you know that the switch yeah. online met, uh, announced that they're releasing N64 and Sega Genesis games as part of their free games with online subscription service? Yeah. Um, let me show you this real quick. I'll pull it up here. You can still see my screen, I think. I can, yep. Well. Uh, so, um, I've heard some some people talk about this. My understanding, and this is unofficial, but my understanding is uh, you will have to pay an extra 5 bucks a year. So, instead of $20, it's 25 I think, to get access to the new stuff here. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, raising that the price. outrageous. That is outrageous. Um, outrageous. So, but there's some cool stuff in it. So let me let me say we we got some Nintendo 64 games here. So we got Mario Kart 64, The Legend yep. of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, which I've actually never played. So I might do that for the first time on the uh, Switch. Okay. Star Fox 64, Mario Tennis, both solid titles. Uh, Doctor Mario 64, which is kind of an interesting choice. Uh, Super Mario 64, of course. 
Yoshi's Story, which, you know what, now that I think about it, I really don't even know what type of a game Yoshi's Story is. I'm guessing it's a I don't either. 3D platformer. Do yeah, you recognize this one? Do you recognize this one here, Eric? I don't. It looks like some kind of... No, is I it, really don't. I have no is idea. It's a game we played on guess. the podcast. We that did? Is, yeah, it is, it is a Japanese-only title that they are bringing to, the Mer- to America for the first time, officially. Yeah, that's right. I uh, I don't remember the name of it, but yeah, Sin, I do remember playing it. That's Sin right. Sin and Punishment. Sin and Punishment, the on-rails shooter, right? Yep. Absolutely yep. awesome game. And it's funny, this game, I've seen this so many times, and I just wrote it off as absolute garbage. It's called Winback. And, mm. uh, but from what I hear, it's actually a pretty, pretty nice game. A lot of people really like it, and I've never even... I never would okay. have ever thought to load that up, so... Yeah. So there's that. And then yeah. uh, Sega, Sega Genesis, super solid uh, round of games here. Castlevania Bloodlines, Contra Hardcore, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which is basically Puyo Puyo, uh, yeah. Echo the Dolphin, Golden Axe, Gunstar Heroes, Musha, which is highly regarded. Oh, man. Up. Musha, uh, very highly regarded and very high, highly expensive if you're trying to collect for it. Most of these games we're talking about are at this point. Yeah. But yeah, Fantasy Star 4, which I've been wanting to play that uh, RPG. Star, great game. Shining Force, Shinobi 3, Sonic 2, Streets of Rage 2. Yes. Eric's favorite one. That and is. Favorite, and favorite Genesis game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Strider. Cool. Strider's a solid title. Yeah, good arcade port. Um, and they're going to be having official controllers, too. Ah, oh, you ran ahead of me, but yes, they are actually... Oh, I'm sorry. Re- releasing uh, for forty five dollars, I think the it's a Super Nintendo controller. Super, it's a Nintendo sixty four controller that plugs into USB. Um, which if you if you like the three pronged Trident, then there you go. And then it's just weird that they're also Nintendo is selling an official Sega Genesis controller to plug into their <laughs> Nintendo Switch service. It's just the weirdest thing. Can you imagine if you could go back in time and uh, go into Sega and and uh, all those people there and just like walk in there with a box that says Sega Genesis on it with a controller and then it says sold by Nintendo online. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, but this man. little news item right here in the middle is pretty cool, too, because when you buy the uh, the extra service here, you also get um, online play for up to four players. Oh, Wow. For like, like uh, Mario Kart 64 and... Yep. Wow. That's going to yep. be pretty awesome. That will be pretty cool. So I think a lot of those, you know, Mario 64, um, Dr. Mario 64, I think has four player play as well. So yeah. Very cool. They call it, yeah. they call it um, Nintendo Switch Online plus the expansion pack. So you're paying for the expansion pack is what you're doing. Okay. A little clever marketing there. Yeah, I mean, man, if they keep coming out with games like they did with the Super Nintendo and Nintendo, I mean, the games I've played on those have been rock solid and the save state features plus the rewind stuff. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're a gamer that just get plays games 10, 15 minutes here and there, it's awesome. I mean, it's a great way to play those games if you're if you're, uh, you know, can't fit in a full hour or two sessions. So I think it's pretty neat. Yeah. All right, so uh, Tim's got one here. Yeah. He says, Thank you to MVG, Modern Vintage Gamer on YouTube, for his video shouting out that over 300 OG Xbox never released demos 
Game previews and full releases have been published to the internet over at hiddenpalace.org. They have curated all this and also a similar amount of Dreamcast stuff as part of the ongoing Project Deluge. Go check out their website and also MVG on YouTube. And we'll have uh, links in the show notes. Yeah, I've heard about this. It's really cool how much stuff they found, including unreleased games and things like that. Um, Yeah. I mean, you could spend hours digging through this stuff. Um, It would be a very cool kind of uh, archaeological, digital archaeology, like digging through like what could have been for demos and games and stuff like that. I think it's pretty neat. Yeah, but I think they actually have um, the actual ROMs and stuff, so... There might be yeah, some like new playable stuff that, games. Yeah, yeah, stuff that'll start popping out of this. It's always funny because when I hear about these things, I get all excited. I'm like, oh, sweet, there's going to be some new Dreamcast games or new um, uh, you know, Xbox games I've never played. Not not thinking twice that I, I've only played like 5% of each of those catalogs. Like there's already 95% of the games I haven't played, but I'm all worried about the unreleased demos. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Eric, you got this one as well. Oh, do I? Oh, a, so I saw this on Twitter and I have a link to the, to the tweet in my show notes. There is a new drop zone clone on Pico eight and it looks awesome. I, I, I gotta say, I mean, drop zone is one of those games where I think it's better. It's easier to play than a defender. Um, and I, I I enjoy Drop Zone a lot more than I do a Defender style game, but this one is in Pico Eight. And it looks just pretty much dang near perfect. Uh, I love the graphics. I love. I mean, I I I did watch a video where there was some gameplay. Uh, it looks really really good. So if you are into Pico Eight and you've been following a lot of our Pico Eight uh, information, uh, you really should get into Pico Eight if you're not into it. A lot of free games, a lot of really cool games. So check out Drop Zone Clone on Pico Eight. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played the original Drop Zone. I know Defender frustrates the heck out of me. So yeah, yeah, and the Drop Zone is not as as hard as Defender, or I don't even want to say hard. It's just better control. I don't like Defender. It's just too punishing. Yeah. Uh, here's a news item. My amazing wife uh, cooked a dinner and walked in and provided me with my dinner. Um, wow. Yeah, it's it's awesome, except for the fact that I'm in a very hollow, empty room. And she made yeah. the most crunchy corn tacos that you can imagine. <laughs> I'm afraid yeah. if I start trying to do eat any of these while you're talking, you're just going to hear me like munching in the background. <laughs> it's not, so they're over here getting cold at this point. Um, well, we we might have to take a break in a few minutes to let you <laughs> chow down a little bit. Uh, oh, and also, ActRaiser Re- Renaissance has been announced um, for the Nintendo Switch and. While it was announced, it was made known that it was also released that moment. Um, So, Eric, this is a game I don't know. Have you ever played ActRaiser on the original Super Nintendo? I never have. I I couldn't even tell you what kind of game it is, to be honest. So this is a game that we're going to have to get on the Battle of the Systems. Um, Okay. It is highly regarded. Um, I would not... um, from what I heard, I would not have us play ActRaiser 2 because they kind of got rid of all the gameplay. But okay. ActRaiser 1 is highly regarded. And, um, the, you know, this trailer is mostly, like, you know, video and stuff. But what ActRaiser is, is a, like, a, a god sim, like a building, city building game. 
Yeah. You're, you know, like a Sim City kind of a thing almost. Um, so you're building your city, but at the same time, it cuts back and forth between that and um, like a side side scrolling hack and slash RPG. Wow. Um, it almost looked like a fighting game. Yeah, you can see some of it here. I've never played yeah. it, and I'm hearing more and more great things about it, and we're going to have to give that a shot. But for those out there who have played Act Razor, this looks like a really cool kind of graphical upgrade. If I'm not mistaken, they use the same engine as they did on Octopath Traveler. Oh, nice. That's um, a beautiful game. And, it, I mean, it just looks super cool. I'm, I'm going to have to give this a shot eventually, but not until I think you and I uh, go back and play the original, because we're going to have to get that in on um on a, so on you're a saying the original is on the Super Nintendo, right? Correct, correct. Okay, yeah, I've n- I've never. It looks really interesting. Just watch this little video, but I've never played it, and I I haven't really honestly heard much about it. So that's interesting. Yep. Just, but I love how Nintendo's been doing that with a few games lately. Just, hey guys, there's going to be a new game coming out. When now? <laughs> so that's cool. So this next one's from Tim. Tim says straight up straight up for the Commodore 64 is a new four player platformer from Dr. Wuro who brought us frogs shadow switcher and shotgun. It's out now and is a free download. So shadow switcher is a great game. Yeah. Cool. I'm kind of looking so, at it here. Yeah, it's so like a kind of looks like a little platformer with vegetables. Yeah. I straight up yeah. don't know what this game's about. <laughs> yeah, me, me either. And uh, Tim didn't elaborate too much, but the graphics have really great colors. Um, it looks like a uh, like a thing with veggies in it. Tomato oh, win. So it must, oh, but look at oh, this. You know what? Up to four players. There we go. Four players. Uh, it looks like, if if I'm not mistaken, it looks like a four player kind of battle royale platformer, like where you you fight Smash each other. Kinda like yeah, do you remember that uh that game we played? I don't remember the name of it. Um, on the Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember I, that? I, I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, but it was we actually played four player and we were we played four player place, and it's kind of a battle each other. each other. Yeah, this looks kind of like that where maybe you jump on top of each other and try to knock each other off or whatever. It looks looks really cool. And it's free. However, if you uh, he says if you enjoy playing it, you're welcome to donate or buy him a beer. I I support that. Perfect. And now one from uh, another one of our co-hosts, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> if I, I could blow everyone's mind right now, if I could do a good British accent. <laughs> this is Eric. Hi, Eric. Right, so they... <laughs> I'm going to try hey, to get away so with eating you... a taco in the background while you read this. Go ahead. Try 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 to do it. I'm going to talk loudly so I can uh, overdo the, it, yeah. overdub the the crunchiness. So anyway, there is a game called Lunar Rescue, an upcoming arcade conversion over to the MSX, ColecoVision, and SVI. We have a link in the show notes for this, but if you can go to that link, it looks really cool. And and any new game for the MSX or ColecoVision is welcome to me because we don't see them all that often, although MSX has had kind of a resurgence lately. But... Um, Love the MSX. Yeah, it's like a little, almost like, it's kind of like a space taxi game, kind of, you know, yeah. where you can land on these platforms and you get points. Um, it's called Lunar Rescue. So uh, you can, I, I don't know, I just think this looks really cool. And if it, it, and it comes out on the original MSX or ColecoVision, I mean, you can imagine playing this on ColecoVision. 
Yeah, I've seen a game like this. It's um, yeah, somewhere between Space Taxi and Lunar Rescue or Lunar uh, Lander. But you have to go down, land, yep. pick up something, and then work your way back up. But there's projectiles going sideways. You kind of have to dodge as well. It's almost like Frogger cool. too, <laughs> in a, yeah, in kind a weird of way. Is. You're right. Nice little game so, there. Anyway, I just thought that would be pretty fun for us MSX folks who dig that platform. I will touch so here's on this another one. one. I'll do this one so you can keep chomping away. Go ahead. All right, Come on. Back to my tacos. Have Delicious. some dinner, bro. Yep. So Tim says the GoTech firmware flash floppy gets a new full version 3.29 plus an alpha release of firmware 4.1. And Tim has provided links to the GitHub pages for these. Now, listen, I run flash floppy on two of my Amigas on the GoTex. But I got to tell you, Cody, I never update the firmware on those because they, they, they seem to just work. I never have a problem with, with the, yeah, the GoTech versions would do. I don't know. I remember there was one big version update that allowed um, like longer file names or something. I don't remember. And, and so I did do one. I've done one firmware update on these. And then I just don't see like as long as they work and there's no incompatibilities, which I've never run into. I, I got to admit, I never update these, but it's good to know. I mean, for the people that like to keep their stuff updated, I, I mean, this is great. And I'm glad Tim included it, but I will say flash floppy is better than the alternative. What, what was that alternative? H H I mean, I'm sorry, H X C or something. Um, I'm never tried it. I've always just used flash floppy. Yeah. Flash floppy is the best one. If you have a go tech, but um, <clears throat> yeah, that's just, I don't know what, for me. That'd be like a half an hour upgrade. And that's a half an hour. I could be playing games. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Plus, I don't use my the GoTex in both my Amigas. I don't use them anymore because I have little CF card hard drives in it, there and I just pop the CF card out and I just transfer files straight to the card. So I don't know. I I I, I wish I was more into that stuff, but I just don't really. Maybe I'm just a bad Amiga citizen. You're you're <laughs> a bad um, yeah Pixel Guide in representative. Yeah, exactly. Tell me about some uh, Nintendo Switch stuff. Well, it's not really... <laughs> we talked about it last time, but yeah. now it's finally out. The new Switch OLED models are out with a bigger screen yeah. and a sexier screen. And to be yeah. honest, I'm kind of more and more interested in getting one. I do uh, like the color scheme. I like the black and white color scheme on them, I have to admit. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like... That's, um, a, that's, a nice, that's a nice plus, but also the... Um, you're right. It, it does look really good, but also just this, the bigger screen actually it does look a lot bigger. And the deep colors of OLED are just amazing. They really are. Yeah, and you you like to play your Switch um, undocked a lot. I, I don't. I do. I'm I'm kind of the reverse. I do play it undocked once in a while, but I play it docked more than anything. Well, and especially now that I got my uh, well, I'll talk about that later on the show. But now that I've got a D-pad to play with, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, and then also Metroid Dread is the big uh, the big new release, so everyone's playing that right now. And, yep. uh, and I, so Cody, I was lit- I was literally in the store with Metroid Dread in one hand and Far yeah. Cry Six in the other hand, going and which I one, which one, which one? Far Cry Six, and I was like, which one? You know, which one am I going to get? Which one should I get? I can only get one of them right now, and so I did decide on Far Cry 6 mainly because my son got it too so we can play it together and talk about it together Um, so I did not pick up Metroid Dread but I'm going to and I probably will do it before Christmas or maybe that could be like a Christmas present from family or something so 
I am going to get Metroid Dread. It looks really good. Have you watched videos on it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it looks awesome. I'm going to... It looks really... Uh, I love the graphics in it. I love the new, like, uh, those century, like, bots that run around that look like dogs, kind of. <laughs> yeah. You, have you seen that? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think I know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, man. All that stuff looks really good. Although, I've never played uh, Metroid all the way through, and I, I'm, I'm not that great at them, so... I don't know. Part of me what? really wants to go in and play Super Metroid first and and get a good feel for that oh, before I buy it. So. Super Metroid is so good. Yeah, if you haven't played yeah. that, just go play that. Um, yeah. What's with you and, and Tim buying yourself things and then later you're like, that'll be a gift to myself from the family for Christmas. That's the way, that's the way Christmas works these days. I mean, we have surprise gifts that we give back and forth, but mostly it's like they ask me, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And I say, hey, I want Metroid Dread. And then it shows up under the tree. I remember feeling so. naughty a couple of years ago. I we went to Eric's house and we opened up a Christmas present before Christmas and then you put yeah. it back in the box so your wife didn't. <laughs> that, 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 that happened. That happened. Oh, that, I think, so wasn't good. that a mini? I, I thought that was the Genesis mini or it something. It was a PlayStation mini. PlayStation mini. Oh, the PlayStation mini. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And then I put it back in the box so I'd be I surprised by Christmas. <laughs> That's probably one of my that favorite so memories awesome. from the show. Yep. Oh, man. I did, you know what? Now that you mentioned that, I, I did that also with Dead Cells because my son bought oh, yeah? it for me for Christmas and I opened it and I played it and then for about a month before and then like I put it back in its wrapper <laughs> and then I opened it for Christmas. <laughs> back in the closet, so, pretending like you didn't yep. find it. Exactly. Well, this one you're going to have to cover because it's about a t- topic that the community has apparently decided I hate. Exactly. But you don't really. I know you don't. I don't. I like it. It's an okay game. (laughs) A true Galaga port finally coming to the Commodore 64 because all we got were crappy clones that did not look like Galaga. Um, Back in the day, we got crappy clones or or games like Galaga. And then in modern times, we got awesome games um, that were like Galaga. Um, But better. now we have an actual true Galaga port finally coming to the Commodore 64. Um, this is by Artlisoft, and we have links in the show notes to download it. I saw videos of this, and it looks it look. I mean, it looks like Galaga. This is not, not trying to do anything fancy. It's not adding anything. It's just Galaga in all of its pride and glory. So cool. Download it if you're a Galaga fan, or ignore it if you're a, if you're if you're like Cody. Or if you're a Galaga fan and you've already played the other 27 ports and you want yet another port, it's perfect. Right. right up your alley. That is right. Um, I'll read this one, Tim. Tim okay. says, anyone remember the free spin demo a few months back? Uh, this was a demo for the C64. Well, actually, for the 1541 disk drive and plays back directly from the disk drive connected via a cable to a monitor. Uh, yeah. Well, ProDivision has released a cable and a copy of the demo on five and a quarter floppy so you can experience the demo yourself if you have the hardware. And we've got a little link here in the show notes to ProtoVision Games. Yeah. And I mean, I remember hearing about this, but it's one of those things that you, I think is cool, but I I wouldn't mind just watching a YouTube video of this. I don't really need to do it at home. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's one of those things that people who, is what, you do it because you can. Yep, you're you going to do it. Do it you, you and do I it. love that. I yeah. love that. I'm not making fun of anyone who does it, and, I, and I'm not. I'm not saying. And if you want to go buy this, I think it's great. But 
this is something I can watch someone do on a YouTube video and go, oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. And kind of save myself the, <laughs> you know, 15 euros or whatever. But yeah, uh, but it is cool. So go check out protovision.games and check that out. All right. Punch, whip, and zipline your way through a post-apocalyptic America in the 16-bit retro-style action platformer. Play as Taro Takahashi, a resistance soldier on a revenge mission against the dictator who lords over the ashes. And this is a game called Steel Assault. Have you seen this one, Cody? No. Steel Assault. I think this one's right more up your alley than mine, to be honest. Um, I know you really like these kind of games. Um, it is a platformer. Uh, it is very 16-bit looking. Um, it, 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 I, I just think it looks pretty awesome. And if I remember right, I know it's on PC because you can get it on Steam. But I want to say it either is coming out or is already out on the Switch. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's already out on Steam. 15 bucks. Yep. And yeah, it looks really good. It looks like a mix between um, Contra, Strider, but with like a almost like a, a Mega Man X kind of Super Nintendo art aesthetic. Yeah. Looks, looks really and good. When I saw this, I I was thinking to myself, I was like, this is right up Cody's alley more so than me. It's but, like a, it's like your strider, but instead of uh, the big sword slash, you have like this electric whip. Yeah. This looks awesome. So I, I will yeah, be getting so I, this. I, 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 f- I think you should look into that. But I, I think it's either coming out or is already out on Switch as well. But I might be wrong about that. Where do you hear about this one? Um, I, I was ha- happened to be looking on a, on Twitter and somebody had mentioned that it was just released. I think I caught it right when it released. Yeah, September 28th. Yeah, uh, I caught it right when it right when the guy was advertising it. Someone retweeted it. And I was like, what? This looks amazing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Tim's got another Pico 8 game we wanted to mention. It's called uh, Grand Prix. Um, yeah. In fact, it says MOT's Grand Prix, so I don't know who M- MOT is, but <clears throat> hey. Uh, step back into time to an era when folk were real folk and race car steering wheels were real steering wheels. Mott's Grand Prix is a pseudo 3D Formula 1 racer inspired by Grand Prix Circuit, Continental Circus, and a bunch of other 80s, 90s racers I've forgotten. So we're taking a quick look at his uh, itch.io page here, and I can press play. And guess what, Eric? It's Pico 8, and it's free. Pico 8, free. If you're not into Pico 8, get get into Pico 8. You want to be in the Pico 8 business. You want to be here. In fact, because it's Pico 8 here, I kind of have to actually play it, so... Darn. I, 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 I gotta I, I have been having so much fun on that uh handheld RG three fifty one M. I've been most of my time spent on that is either playing Super Mario Bros. three and trying to beat it and then or playing Pico Eight. And Pico Eight games are just so awesome and they're free and they're very eight bit style. I love finding uh, a good one that you can uh you spend about twenty to thirty minutes on, you beat, and then you can find another good one. That's right. Exactly. They're not these games that are going to take you forever to play. They're not they're, they 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 just don't get that involved, which I think is awesome. I mean, it, it's for it's for gentlemen of our lifestyle or gentlemen. This particular one, uh Mott's Grand Prix is super impressive. This thing looks straight up like um yeah. I mean, it looks like a modern 3D uh um, Yeah. I mean, obviously it's pixelated, 
but yep. the way it works, it's got the uh, the the racing line with the green arrows that when you go into corners, you know it turns yellow and red, kind of su- suggest when to th- slow down to make the turn. Um, Gran Turismo esque, but it's. I mean, F1. the steering wheel moves, the speedometer moves. It it, it look it looks awesome. It looks like almost like a pole position on steroids. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Looks great. Boop, boop, boop. A lot of cool stuff coming out for Pico 8 these days. Absolutely. So what do we got here? Oh, oh, Uh-oh. have you heard about this? Uh-oh. Mega 65, finally available for pre-order. And there's a link in the show notes for it. Um, if you haven't heard of the Mega, Mega 65, there was a prototype Commodore released for the, the next big 8-bit system after the Commodore 64. And it was going to be called the Commodore 65. That was the prototype name, at least. Mm-hmm. And there were chips made for it, and there were prototype devices, and they go for they go for a lot of money if you can find them on eBay. I mean, I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars these days or more. Um, so people got together, kind of like with the ZX Spectrum Next, and and this was even before the ZX Spectrum Next. They've been working on this thing for years and years. Um, I remember getting into it, like reading about it. I, I, I had to have been like seven years ago, six or seven years ago. Finally, it is available for pre-order. Um, Hold on real it, quick. Yeah. I, when I bought my ZX Spectrum next, which was announced mm-hmm. after this thing. Yep. It was. And I only got it in a, sh- a short, like three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And I think I bought it for like 300 bucks roughly. Right. And as soon as I got it, the sky, the price on those things skyrocketed. Now they're like eight hundred bucks, right? You know, because they're people want them and they're not making the new ones yet. They're still trying to get there, uh, maybe right. even a little more. So it looks like what Mega sixty five here did was just cut out the middleman. <laughs> yeah, what's the price on this thing, Eric? Price is six hundred and sixty-six euros and sixty-six cents, or I don't know if it's cents. What is it in euros? I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it pence, just because it sounds good. Pence, sure. <laughs> uh, which would be a U.S. Uh, seven hundred forty-two dollars plus shipping. Boom. So it's it's a pretty penny, and this one, this this is FPGB FPGB FPGA based, just like most of these new eight-bit systems. Um, but this has been long time in the running, and the case looks awesome. I will say that it's got a front-loading drive. Uh, it looks like kind of a Commodore sixty-four era system. It looks almost like something the Mega sixty-five really would have looked like. Um, it is really cool. There's a lot of you know. There's there's a few developers getting on board to try to make some new stuff for this thing. Um, it is a pretty penny. It's a lot of money. I mean, I'm definitely not going to be running out and getting one of these, although we follow a few friends on Twitter that are getting one of these. And yeah. I mean, I applaud them. If I, if, if, if I had that kind of scratch, I'd go out and get one. This looks really, really cool. And I'm man, still waiting man, for my ZX. Spec- yeah. I'm still waiting <laughs> for my ZX spectrum next. I'm still waiting for it. It's all paid for. I'm just oh, waiting coming. for it. It's coming. I, I can't wait to get the thing plugged back up in the, uh, in the new uh, retro room. Yep. Hey, Cody, do you like action puzzlers? I hate them. No, I absolutely love them. You love them. I, I, lo- I like I do them love to them. a degree. I action, like them more than regular puzzlers, puzzlers. I love them. Yeah, I like action puzzlers too. The Fall of Prometheus, a fabulous mythical 
Oh, boing. I lost my notes. Um, it is a puzzler, action puzzler for the MSX. So, again, another great MSX thing coming out. Mm. Um, links in the show notes, but take a look at the graphics on this. What do you think? So when you said action puzzler, this is not what I was envisioning. So no, these are the these are the games that drive me nuts, and I just typically have no interest <laughs> when I see this. This, uh, I mean, it looks good, it's colorful. I'm sure the puzzles are well thought out, but when it comes down to like, all right, four levels in, you have to pretty much know the one solution and do it, and then die over yeah. and over and over and get stuck over and over and over again. And just keep doing it until you find the solution. Uh, right. Not my thing, but. The uh, artwork they did along with it looks really good. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's colorful. There's lots going on. If you're into action puzzlers, I, this to me, this is just like a push box puzzler looking kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I think there is more to it than that, but you're you're right. I mean, it it, I, it, I, it is what it is, I guess. But it, it almost looks like a little like Spectrum graphics, too, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely... Um, using that i know they use the same chip but you know half the msx games look just like like nes games and the other half look like the spectrum this is on the spectrum side of the uh spectrum (laughs) um (laughs) and look you can play online you don't even have to download it and put it on your msx you could just play it right there online cool yep um tim's got one last one here uh it says Reset 64 and Derek question mark exclamation point. I'm not sure why that uh, yeah. has revealed a cracking port of Chucky egg for the Vic 20. Uh, previously, this was one of the few eight bit micros popular in England that did not get a conversion. Now this has been corrected with this port. Also, you should be ecstatic. <laughs> Good one, Tim. That it is available as a free download over at Reset64's itch.io page. And guess what, Eric? There's a link in the show notes. And I will say, I, I did look into this today because it does look awesome. I mean, if you're a fan of Chucky Egg, you, this it is, is a great. good game. It is a good game. It is a good game. And it does require on a VIC-20, though, it does require the 32... 32K... K expansion... 32k expansion i think it's 32k expansion which you know that's not unusual the vic kind of needs these expansions to play some of these more uh, elaborate games but it does look exactly like chucky egg so if you like it go get it and if you need an expansion you can always grab that beautiful penultimate cart over at the future was 8-bit exactly the future was 8-bit has a penultimate cartridge that gives you all the memory upgrades and a ton a ton of software so yeah, but what if I was looking to expand upon my Commodore system, Eric? There's only one place to go. Where would that well, be? Well, there's more than there's more <laughs> than one place, but there's only one correct place to go, Eric, and that's because it's our show sponsor, Retro, Retro Rewind. Rewind.ca. Retro Rewind.ca. And don't let the CA scare you, ladies and gentlemen. No. Uh, they are in Canada, but Canada has no problem getting their stuff into the U.S. quickly. Um, it's, it, if, if you're sending stuff the other way, we're the ones that go ahead and shut things down here in the U S. So, um, all kinds (laughs) of cool stuff you can get there. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, if you wanted to create your own, some people want to make their own, uh, physical cartridges for the Commodore 64 and other Commodore systems. Uh, you got stubby cart cases here. You got options. You got, um, you can flash your own ROMs. He has, he has the ROM chips. 
and uh, the hardware to flash them. Um, I'm not smart enough to know how to do that, but if I was, I know I could get all the products I need right here at RetroRewind.ca forward slash pixel guide in and use pixel pixel code use code pg10 to save 10 percent off the order so yeah like right now i'm looking at a uh, 27c 128 eprom and uh, wiped and tested wiped and tested as well as a 27c 256 eprom which seem i would guess is a slightly bigger eprom this is something i don't know a lot yet eric maybe i'll have to dig into this because it would be cool to make my own uh, carts for a, for a few games that I love, some some freeware that I have. Uh, pop it on EEPROM, put it on a nice little cart and make a nice little label for it and have my own physical copy. Yep. Fun. Agreed. Agreed. So RetroRewind.ca. So head over there, get your stuff, get your stuff. Get your stuff. And uh, remember, get 10% off, PG10, use the code. Beautiful. Let's right see what on, let, let's see what uh, past Eric has to say in another episode of Eric's Take. Hey guys, how about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right. It's tea time with Tim. Hey everyone, it's that time again. Yes, it's time for tea time with Tim. Coming up on this month's show, we're going to be talking about a recent acquisition to my collection, the Acorn Electron. If you don't already know, the Acorn Electron is essentially the smaller brother to the BBC Micro that we have mentioned on the show a few times. Recently on the show, Cody and Eric read back some news that I posted about a conversion of the specky classic jetpack that's coming to the Acorn Electron. Both Eric and Cody didn't know much about the Electron, so I thought it was a good thing to cover this for this month's episode of Tea Time with Tim. So let's talk about the Electron. It's an 8-bit wedge micro that was created by Acorn Computing. The co-founder of Acorn, Herman Hauser, decided that they needed to create a cheaper home micro to take on the might of Sinclair and bring some of the elements of the mighty but expensive at the time BBC Micro out to the masses with a more affordable price point of around about £200 and fight chip to chip with the ZX Spectrum. So the Electron, or as it's internally known and affectionately known these days, the Elk, was born. After some delays in getting to market due to complications with the ULA chip, the Elk was eventually launched in 1983 with a price point of £199 just for the computer itself. The specification and look of the Elk was first revealed in 1982. The goals were to reduce the amount of chips on the board to cut costs and to reduce the chance of cloning the micro. This was mostly achieved by the GlueLogic ULA chip that caused the initial delay in launch. Alongside the ULA in the micro, there was a Cinetech SY6502A CPU running at 2 MHz when accessing the ROM and 1 MHz when accessing the RAM. Due to the way this was integrated, it did generate some halts in processing and introduce some challenges for developing for the ELK. Some further technical info are the graphics modes, which have 160 by 256 pixels, that's 20 by 32 characters, in 4 or 16 colours, 
320 by 256 pixels that's 40 by 32 characters in two or four colors and 640 by 256 that's 80 by 32 characters that's its highest resolution in two colors there are text modes which are 40 by 25 characters in two colors and 80 by 25 characters in two colors with the sound, there's one channel of sound with seven octaves and through the built-in speaker, which you can't adjust the volume on easily. There was also software emulation of noise channel support included too. The main market for the Elk was essentially at the budget end. At the time, most users loaded software via cassette. This made developing for the system cheap and simple, especially those familiar with the BBC they could easily write games for the Elk. So there was a fair amount of software available in the form of games, educational titles and utilities. Let's touch briefly on the layout of the Elk. Along with the cassette port for loading, for video output, there is a 6-pin RGB DIN connector, a mono composite connector and an RF connection. That's for using with UHF TVs. To the rear is the expansion port, this supported connection interfaces like joystick interfaces and later on Acorn would release the Plus One expansion which came with two cartridge ports, also an analogue port which could be used for joysticks but it could also be used for trackballs and graphic tablets. This expansion opened up more software that could be loaded quicker and also additional languages like Forth or Assembly. Later, the expansion port would be used to introduce disk drives and the ADFS disk operating system to the Electron. Most notable were the L-shaped Plus 3 interface. This looked like the Plus 1 interface, but had a 3.5-inch disk drive that returned around the side of the Elk to make a nice, neat expansion. The look and feel of the Electron has always been appealing to me. Its sleek white case in the traditional wedge shape and a lovely 56-key QWERTY keyboard the branding on top of the micro has the Acorn Electron logo at the top left. This is a micro that I've always wanted to have in my collection and it's only recently, after many years, that I was able to acquire a nice fully boxed example with some great software. Acquiring my Electron came about by chance when agreeing on a deal to purchase a couple of ZX Spectrums and one of these Spectrums was going to complete a hole in my collection which is the Plus 2A. Anyway, as I was agreeing a local meetup to pick up the speckies, the guy selling them said he also had an Electron for sale, and was I interested? After fighting with my conscience that did I really need any more micros at this point, it became obvious, yes, and we agreed a very favourable price for the whole lot. When arriving back home with my spoils, my wife looked seemingly unimpressed with another load of retro rubbish to clutter up the house with. However, on starting to unpack the boxes, she recognised one of the games that came with the Electron. They have a very distinctive artwork on the box. A dark blue background with light blue grid pattern and they are cardboard boxes. The game she recognised was called Hopper. This is a nice conversion of Frogger to the Electron by Aconsoft. She proclaimed that this is one of the first games she had ever played on a computer. And then when I unpacked the Electron, lo and behold... This was the first computer she used, so I set it up for her. As part of the lot, it came with a handy cassette player and the connection cable to load the software from. Once loaded, my wife enjoyed a few games once again on Hopper after many years, and she had completely forgotten about this. 
What a nice way to relive that nostalgic feeling on a chance purchase. So this made it all worthwhile. And that moves us on nicely to talk about some of the games that are available for the Electron. There are a good number of games available for the Electron. Being an Acorn computer, there are great conversions of some of the great Beeb games, like the aforementioned Hopper, Arcadians, and even a version of the space trading classic Elite. Some of the big-time software houses muscled in on some Acorn action with conversions of classic games like Way of the Exploding Fist, Ya Kung Fu, Commando, Paperboy and Crystal Castles. But really, some of the best games for the Electron were published by Acorn specialist publishers like Superior Software and Aardvark. If you're planning on exploring any games for the Electron, I would recommend looking out for the Repton series of games, Exile, and Thrust by Superior Software, Frack and Zalaga by Aardvark. Also, look out for Firetrack. That was a game we covered on the podcast on the C64. And, of course, Chucky Egg. That has a brilliant conversion on the Electron, and is one of the only games I remember playing back in the day on the Micro itself. If you're lucky enough to have an Electron tucked away somewhere, I would recommend blowing off the dust and give it a try. Even if you have little or no games for it, you can grab yourself a cassette lead and plug it into your computer and you can visit a web page where you can load all the classic games from directly from the website to your Electron. I'll explain that site and how it's done shortly. If you do not have an Electron, then you can still fire up an emulator and grab some games to play. There are several emulators out there for the Electron. One I would recommend is Elculator by Tom Walker. This is a decent emulator that allows you to load and play UEF tape files, disk images and ROMs. It can also emulate a joystick interface and you can redefine your keys for this. It comes in Windows, Mac, Linux and even an early DOS version. You can find the emulator at elculator.acornelectron.co.uk Another site I would recommend for some Acorn Electron software is the archival site Stairway to Hell. This has a ton of Electron and BBC Micro software to download and you can use those on the various different emulators. You can find the archive at www.stairwaytohell.com Now, going back to what I was saying about how you can load games from a website directly into the Elk. This can be done if you have an Elk with the cassette cable. You plug in the DIN connector into the cassette port and the 3.5mm jack socket marked ear or earphone on the other end of the cable into your line output on your PC, Mac or whatever device. As long as it can browse the web and playback audio, it should do the job. For example, I use my Windows 10 PC with Firefox for this. Once you've got everything hooked up, you need to visit the website. So that is www.8bitkick.cc forward slash play uef.html. This website has a great simple design. You can click on if you are using an Elk or a BBC Micro. It then gives you a list of games and programs you can choose to load. When you click on the link for the game, it takes you to another page. It then shows you a render of a cassette tape at the top of the screen with the title on it. It also has a media bar so you can play and pause the UEF file as it plays back. You can adjust the volume and it shows the current runtime and the total of the file. Before you click play, 
on the electron, all you need to do is give the load command. On the elk, this is chain, quote, quote, and then press play. Oh, so press enter and then press play, sorry. As the game loads in on the screen, you will see the code being interpreted as it goes on your PC screen. You can make out any ASCII text that is being loaded into the computer. This is such a cool utility. Using a custom part of the website URL, you can even get it to be able to load your own UEF files from your PC. So there we go then. That's a potted history of the Acorn Electron. Some games I recommended. Also, how you can access the games on real hardware and through emulation. I would really love it if you have never experienced the Electron before to give it a go on emulation and let me know how you get on. Also, if you have any questions, feel free to email the show email address and that is podcast at pixelgaden.com or of course you can send me a tweet. You can get me on at Sanxion. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Well, that's it for this episode. Keep pumping them electrons and I'll catch you on the next one. All right, and much thanks to Tim for that enlightening discussion. Thank you, Tim. That was amazing. Almost as amazing as this next beer. Eric, do you have another beer? I do. I got to pull it out of my little bag of tricks here. Hold on. Well, what I got here in front of me is a fresh poured pint of beer that made its trip from Elk Grove to Grass Valley in a kegerator that was in the back of a U-Haul for three days as I was technically homeless for two days. We don't need to go into that. Uh, and it sat in there and it's on like, did it go bad sitting in the back of a U-Haul in the hot sun for two days? Uh, it doesn't, no. doesn't taste like it went bad. It's delicious still. Uh, and this is yeah. a, a, a delicious, uh, keg of Negro Modelo. Oh, so, wow. You got a keg of Negro Modelo. I like yeah. Negro Modelo a lot. I do too. And I'm enjoying it. Well, I'll, I will, I haven't sipped yet, Eric. Not, I couldn't possibly have sipped before you try your beer. Mm. I just opened up a delicious East Brothers Beer Company, which is in Richmond, California. Yep. And this one, Cody, is an oatmeal stout. Check this out. Bam. Oh, that looks good. I, so we had a Pilsner from those guys that I loved. Bo, Bo Pills. Bo Pills, yeah. Yep. Bo Pills. And they, they have a t- they're, they're actually impressing me. I, I, every beer I've had from them has been really, really good. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try to try some of the other ones, but yeah, the bow pills. I remember going back a couple times and getting getting another couple six packs. Cheers, sir. How dark that is. Cheers. All right. Yep, that tastes like Nigger Modelo. Yes, indeed. We both got uh, deep dark colored beers. Yes, we did. This one is really, really excellent. Um, I've had this one. I, I had this one last weekend. Um, I have to say it's one of my favorite stouts I've had probably in the last year. All right. All it's right. very dark. Head looks really good. It's in a tall boy, which I always appreciate. And mine is Negro, so, which is delicious, but it seems like everyone should know what Negro Modelo is at this point. In I fact, would think, yeah. In fact, I always say it backwards. I think it's Modelo Negro. But I always say Negro Modelo because that's kind of how they have it listed on the bottle. Uh, that's the way I always say it, too. Yeah. Which is a dark Mexican beer. An, their amber version rather than their uh, their light version, which I don't care for. I don't care for that one either. Now, do you, I usually put a lime in mine, but I suppose you are limeless tonight. I don't do lime in my Negro, no. I do not. No? 
I do. Mmm, mm, delicious. Mmm, delicious. So, again, there's no rating scale that's going to make sense. So, let's just say out of 16 bits, Eric, how many bits are you going to give that one? This one's so good. I'm going to give this one 14 out of 16. I do love Nigger Modelo. Um, tried and true. I'll give it 13 out of 16. Excellent. That's a good, that's a high praise. High praise for the, for a delicious daily drinking beer. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. Eric, it's time mm-hmm. for a Halloween edition of Six Good Games. Six Good Games. All right. What do we have for our six good game segment this time, Eric? So we we uh, since we last Halloween we did you know scary games, um, Halloween games. So this year I wanted to change it up a little bit and just make it bloody gory games. So Straight any up. games that have a lot of blood, a lot of gore, qualify for this six good games segment. Now. When I heard you say this, I was excited because one of my favorite gamers of all time, I spent so many hours and hours of my youth playing this game, it immediately popped in my head. But yeah. Eric, why don't you tell us I, what it is? Because it's your first good game. Yeah, I, I went ahead and I like leaked this on Twitter because I was like, I'm doing research for yeah. Pixel Gaiden, and I showed like screenshots of this, and I love it too. And I did have this game for my PS1. Now... No, I, my PS1 back in the day, I only had about 10 or 12 games for it. I, I never grew like a big library for that because I was a kid. I was Well, I wasn't a kid. I was an adult, but I didn't have a lot of money at the time. So I didn't build a huge library, but Carmageddon was one of the games that I had. Um, and you can help me talk about this one because honestly, I didn't get time to replay this one just a little bit. Not, not enough to really sink my teeth into it. Um, so I'm sure you'll help me out when, when I describe this. So Carmageddon is a game where it is like a post-apocalyptic style game where you are driving your car around. They call them races, but they, it doesn't, you don't really follow, have to follow race. There's multiple ways to win. Yeah. There are multiple ways to win, but really the point of the game is to go around and (laughs) run down civilians. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of them. That's one of them. Yeah, that's one of them. So you run them down and they splat and there's blood everywhere. And uh, you basically race around and try to win the, I guess you do win the races, right? Well, so if you're not, let me help you talk about it. So yeah, please. There's please. a few different kind of uh, areas. I mean, I think if I remember yeah. right, there's 99 levels to race through to, okay. to actually beat the game. Um, and I would okay. say there's, I think, six or so kind of... Um, if you want to call them tile packs that they design levels with so that there's right. lots of different levels, but there's kind of six different uh, atmospheres or you know, like there's a city and then there's like a, I don't remember them all right now, but like a rural area and with Hills and there's like a junkyard kind of a thing. Like there's all these different type of, um, I'll call them biomes, Eric. Ooh, that's, Oh, I like it. <laughs> um, but they are, it, so this to me was almost like a almost like a sandbox game before that was a thing. Because I you, think that's I would agree that with that. Yeah. And I played on the PC and that's where I fell in love with it. So there's thousands of of random people, women uh, uh women, children, uh businessmen, grannies with uh with you know walkers just kind of thrown about these areas. 
there's a, a course kind of outlined, if I remember right, using like everything from cones to like blockades and things. But you can just go outside of those and go off paths and go up hills and do whatever you want. If you want to actually try to race the racing line, which, um, you know, you're just, it's like demolition derby bouncing through these racing lines. You can try to win the race by doing three laps or whatever it is. But I never played it that way because another way you could win the race was by destroying all your opponents and being the last man standing. Yeah. Or woman. That's the way I played it too. And that's the way I always enjoyed it. Every once in a while, I'd win a race outright. Um, but then you'd get like bonus points for doing like crazy pin, like bouncing off enough walls or killing enough civilians or spinning around the air and landing on one. You get like a splat bonus. Um, cat in the rural areas, there's cows you could take out. And each of the cars had a lot of personality. There was like one that looked like a snake, and there's like a monster truck one, and a, like a hearse. Um, and each car had their own driver, which had like its own bio bio. You could like read the biography on each driver and what their motivation was. Is this all ringing a bell? Like, yeah, exactly. Okay. This was in a series of games. I had because three of those, like, let's say 12 games that I owned, three of those were twisted metal Two, Yeah. Um, driver and yeah. Carmageddon. Yep. And the real common theme for those three games to me was, you really could just go around and do whatever you wanted in those games. I mean, you didn't have to exactly play the game the way they wanted you to like driver. I very rarely ever played the actual missions. I just liked going into the city, bumping into a cop and seeing how long I could survive while the cops kept chasing me around the city. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was my favorite mode to play driver. But car McGinn was kind of like that. Like I just loved to go in there, run people down, run the other cars down and try to kill every car and then try to win. I don't even remember if I ever tried to finish races. Like that wasn't the, that wasn't my primary goal in that game. My, my primary goal was just destruction. Um, <laughs> I love it. And that was another one of the games I had was destruction derby as well. So, yeah. um, so I, I, I absolutely loved playing this game and it does fulfill the bloody, the bloody criteria for this segment. So I anyway, played, so I, I loved it. I played on the PC. So for me, it was just like this, mind-opening thing that I I didn't know anybody else that had played it at the time. I didn't even know if it was that big of a game. Um, yeah. And I know on the box and everything, they showed, you know, bystanders getting run over, and that was their big thing, kind of the shock factor of this, like, manslaughter. But really, the the fun for me was that you could drive wherever you want or fight the race the game however you want. And if you went off the racing line and started attacking people, um, other people would stop racing and join the fun. So like no one would win the race. If like, if you just, you decided to switch courses, no one else would, would uh, keep racing. The computers would hop over and start fighting with everybody. So, <laughs> so I mean, and, and it worked for me cause it was really bad. The pacing was bad to be honest. Um, once you started like attacking these cars, you might get down to one car that was just heavily armored and it might take you seven minutes to finish that car off just bashing it over and over again or backing up, trying to get enough speed to hit it just right. And then you miss and go over the top and you have to try to back into it. And, but just kind of that quirkiness. I loved it. I loved how kind of the physics were real to a point, you know? Yeah. Yep. My 100% agree. So yeah. And there were sequels to this. There was like karma. What was it called? Um, Carmageddon 2000. Yeah. And then TDR. Uh, Was it? 
Yeah. Can't remember the names of them, but I thought it was Carmageddon. God, I don't remember the name. But anyway, there were um, Reincarnation was a reboot of it. Uh, but there was Carmageddon 2. Two and then a yeah, TDR. Number three was called TDR. I don't know what that stand for, but okay, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was a very popular series for a while, and then it just kind of faded away. But it really deserves to have a comeback. <laughs> yeah. Well, in fact, I think something just you know I should probably port it Karma Good and because I thought that something came out recently. So um, I thought it was that re- like Resurrection or something that was like a re reboot or re. So if you're on Steam, you can get all the games, which is cool. Um, yeah, the Carmageddon Max Pack or something Max like that, pack. right? Released um, on February 17th, 1998. So that's even been out for a long time. Yeah, well, I think that's... I think it might be a Carmageddon 1 with all of the with all of the expansions. Oh, okay. Um, good research here. I'm oh, glad we're cool. talking about this live on air here. So it was called Carmageddon 2, Carpocalypse Now, 1998. Right. And then, Carpocalypse Now. And then there was, after that, was Carmageddon TDR 2000. There we go. And that was, I think, Death Race, like the Death Race or something like that. Um, and that came out in the year 2000. And then 2015 was Carmageddon Reincarnation. And then I'm looking at, on Steam here, there's one called Carmageddon yeah. Max Damage that came out in, the, in 2016. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't have that in my notes, so that's pretty cool. So you can get all these for five, ten bucks on Steam at the yeah. moment. And uh, I actually do own a couple of these already, so I'm going to have to dig into some of that. I, I missed Carmageddon. Good yeah. call. Good pick, Eric. Thank you. Um, what do you got? I'm going to pop in and uh, talk about a kind of rehash game. I came down to the wire here doing other stuff, so I had to pick kind of last minute. I apologize. But the Sniper Elite series... Yeah. So I talked about this before on the show, but it's been a little while now. Um, So I played Sniper Elite 4 fairly recently on uh, PlayStation 4. Okay. And this game is... It's a first-person shooter, and it's kind of open world, but it really focuses on your one guy, um, and you have to kind of take out these bases of people. Um, It's World War II-themed. Uh, this particular one is called Sniper Elite 4 Italia, so it's kind of based in the Italian front, if you will. Um, and it's got little story clips and things like that, but the gameplay is you can go at your own speed, you can be stealthy, you can run in guns blazing, then run out, but you're a one-man, you know, army, right, going in, setting mines, and like he is right here, hiding on rooftops, sniping people from afar. Um, I just love the speed of the game, but why is it gory and disgusting? And I think you're about to see it right here, Eric. Uh, <laughs> yep. So when you do, here you go, bullet time. When you snipe somebody from a distance, it goes bullet time. You see the bullet, like, enter. Uh, enter. I'm trying to find, actually, they, they, they kind of bleeped it out there. Let me see if I can find some better. I don't know if they'll show it on the on these public videos on Steam, so you may not see it here. Oh, that's true. That could be. That could be true. Um, but, uh, I, I, so you, when you, I remember when we talked about this on the show a while ago, I went and bought one cause one was on sale on, on the switch. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, uh, 
I went and grabbed it, and so I know exactly what you're talking. It's like it goes into slow motion time, like when you fire. Yep. And you watch the bullet go, and then it like it almost like looks like an X-ray of the person, right? Yep. But you can see all the like organs sh- and stuff inside the person. You can see all the organs and everything, and then it just like you can see the way the bullet like rips through them. <laughs> <laughs> And and there's a, a number of those. I mean, they, they're kind of, again, they're physics-based, so they do kind of happen realistically. It's not just the same cutscene every time. Um, yeah. But you can put a, put, a, you can put a bullet right through the guy's eye, and then, like, the eye explodes and pops out of the head and stuff. Like, it's, it gets really yeah. unnecessarily gory. Uh, but my favorite it's, one... It's, go ahead. My favorite one is, is when you hit the man right in his uh, family jewels... Here you go. Here you go. That one went right through his skull and like fragments of skull blow out the back and yep. but yeah, when his like pre- go when his when his jewels pop like a water balloon. Oh my gosh. Oh no. I don't even want to see that. I don't think I did that when I was playing it, but uh it's almost like procedurally generated murder. Yeah, I mean it gets it, and it seems like it's when you first do it it seems so far out of uh, left field. Like you're playing this yeah. kind of serious military game. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, by the way, here's some disgusting gore for the sake of just having gore. Um, anyway, it was a good game though. I mean, I remember there was a lot of very good stealth mechanics to it. Um, uh, you know, it kind of depicted what a sniper has to do. They have to hide. I mean, obviously, they add a lot of action elements where they're running around doing more commando style stuff. But, you know, the sniper elements were definitely, um, you know, I wouldn't say realistic, but I mean, they're they're depicted very well. You yeah, know, they're, they, they're, they give you the feel of being a a, a bad A sniper. <laughs> yeah. So there no, you go. that's a good pick. I mean, I do remember it was pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> pick number All right, two so, for Eric. Yep. So this is my second one is Hotline Miami. Now, this game, when it came out, and it, I mean, it was, it's been a long while since this, this game came out. I think it came out in, um, well, in like- the release for Microsoft Windows was October 20, 23rd, 2012. So I mean, this yeah. game is getting on. There was there was a sequel, Hotline Miami Two, um, but this is a top-down shooting video game that's very very retro-inspired. I mean, if you look at the graphics, it's very pixelated. Yeah, this is a very very stylistic game. It's very '80s. First of all, a lot of the music is very kind of uh, creepy, but very '80s style. All the colors are very '80s. There's a lot of like uh, you get in and out of these very '80s looking vehicles. Um, and the, the, the story takes you through a very surreal experience for this person. And basically you are living this life of a person that you don't know the backstory to, but this, these phone calls keep coming in and they keep telling you to go to certain places and do certain things in a mission. And it's all under code. Like, Hey, you know, the babysitter needs get payment. So I need you to show up at this address to, to, to do some babysitting <laughs> or something. And it's all under code. And by babysitting, and so you I mean, end pipe up going to the head. There. <laughs> yep. And every time you beat a level, you get a different mask, like a chicken mask or a raccoon or an owl or whatever. And these masks you put on and they give you different abilities. Like, uh, 
I, I mean, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly what each of the abilities are, but like one of them enhances your melee combat. So when you're doing hands, um, like when you're fighting with hands, but you can pick up weapons too. But this is a game of stealth. So you're going through these floor plans, which almost look like architectural drawings from the top. And you need to figure out a way to go through these levels and defeat all the enemies in here. And you have to do it stealthily so that other people don't hear you and don't get killed. And then when you do get killed, all it does is reset you back to the beginning of yeah, the level. Yeah, you die a lot. You do die a lot in this game, but you can get very good at it. And, and I will say this is one game I've, I've beaten and I've gotten back to. I've even bought it when it was reissued on the, on the Switch. And you see this person playing in the video because you're playing a video in the background. This play, person doesn't really know how to play like you're supposed to. I mean, there are some tricks like when a person is on the ground, you can beat them. Yeah, so what he's doing right there, you see the blood shoot out of his head. There you go. There's your gore. <laughs> it's very gore. All it, over the floor. It's very gory. And I mean, the bodies can just pile up in this game because eventually you'll get like, you'll you'll use your gun and then people will just start running into the room and you can like bodies upon bodies like piled up. Um, <laughs> but th what's interesting about this game is it, it does have a storyline and it's very surreal, but it you you get engrossed into the story because you don't really know yourself what's going on. You don't know if things are real or if it's some kind of like drug induced, you know, like a alternate reality. It's a very <laughs> strange game with a very cool storyline, though. And uh, you're just in here just going through the motions. But I had a blast with it. When I first played this game, I was amazed how much fun I was having with it. And I stuck with it and I beat this one. I'd never beat a hotline Miami too, but I got close, but it got really hard towards the end. But this one I beat loved every minute of it. And if you don't have it, you should check it out. It really is worth getting. I mean, it's more of a strategic stealthy style it's, game. That's so what I would call action like an, an action puzzler. Almost. Yeah. That, this is what I want. This is what I would call an action puzzler right here. Cause and I think it's cool uh, yeah. because it's kind of like kind of like the last game, Carmageddon, we talked about. Um, yeah, it's kind of like you have this set of rules and the kind of this situation, but it's not set in yeah. stone what you have to do. I mean, you can kind of figure your own way through it and go at your own pace and kind of tweak the uh, the way it's designed to the way you want to make it happen. Yep. But there is definitely some strategies and stuff you can apply. I, so I I do own this game. I tried a few levels and it didn't click at first. Um, yeah. For me, I think it's because I got it on PC and using a mouse and keyboard just didn't work for me. <laughs> okay. Um, so or, I'm the exact opposite. Or, I got it on PC and loved it, but then I got it on Switch and I tried to play with a joystick. No, <laughs> like I take, a controller. I take it back. I think you're right. I think that's what happened. Okay. I'm like, I think you need a you, mouse you, and keyboard to play the game. You need a mouse and keyboard to play this game. You do not want to try it on. Because I got it on Switch because it was the whole set. Hotline Miami, Hotline Miami 2. And they were remastered or whatever. And and I, I, I could not play this game with a controller. I had to have keyboard. And I've since gone back to my Steam library and played this. And it's just as good as when I played it the first time. I mean, I love it. It's a great game. So I think that's what it was. Uh, yeah, because you kind of you can control your player's movement up, down, left, right. But then the mouse becomes your reticle for however you're attacking. So exactly. I think and you're so right. It's very versatile because you can be running in one direction. You can be backing up and firing in the other direction. And that's essential in this game. So 
it, with a controller just didn't it just didn't work with a controller at least huh. i think so but anyway hotline that's my miami. second pick hotline miami gory bloody wonderful <laughs> all right eric so you, you got to tell me about this next one that you're picking because i uh i have to admit i haven't gotten into this series have you tried i played the one on psp do you remember that one yeah that was probably my least favorite but it's still good yeah, I played it and, uh, you know, I probably got a quarter of the way through it or something, um, but it just didn't click with me. And I don't remember it being necessarily bloody. So was the PSP one not? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't, probably because they couldn't pull the stuff off. So anyways, I picked the God of War 2. God of War 2. And what is pl- what platform is this on? PlayStation 2. Okay, PlayStation 2. Good to know. Okay. Um, so, th- so right now we're looking at the remastered uh, version of the game. This... First of all, when we say six good games that are bloody and gory, this is a yeah. good game, not because it's bloody and gory, but it happens to be bloody and gory. Um, gotcha. I love this game. So you are Kratos, the god of war, and it's got a huge uh, you know, amount of... Um, is it Greek mythology or is it Roman? Uh, it's, it's mythology. <laughs> I'll just say Greek it's mythology. mythology. We'll just say mythology. It's mythology. <laughs> um, yeah. And so you're this this guy named Kratos, and he is like he's fighting these gods, and you act. I mean, you end up find, fighting these gigantic, um, you know, Greek mythological gods, and uh, what are they called? The uh, at this point, it's been so long since I played, I can't remember what they're called. But um, uh, the story is amazing. Like the Titans, Titans. Thank you. you yeah, mean, the, are the big, you talking about the Titans? Yeah. Yep, the big Titans that kind of uh, run the world and the whole thing. Um, it's this is kind of an action puzzler, but it's definitely uh, you know 3D over the shoulder if you want to call it over the shoulder. Um, yeah, hack and slash where you're also there's puzzle elements like right now where that he's pushing these crates on buttons and opening doors and things. Um, as you attack enemies with these two giant chain whip things you have, uh, you just feel like a stud. You're like destroying things, um, but it's not just mashing buttons. You definitely have to learn how enemies attack know that when you go up against you know this kind of enemy you're supposed to dodge to the right when they do this thing dodge to the left because they're doing a counterattack, and then you attack them three or four times and then do it again like it becomes a um uh you know a rhythm right and you've got uh so here you've got archers shooting at him while some melee creatures are attacking him this particular playthrough is someone playing through super fast so they're not killing anybody um but as you attack these things, you know, they're, they're, they're blading and there's stuff everywhere. But you'll get to these enemies, which I'm trying to find for you now in the video here, Eric. Uh, you'll get to these enemies where uh, you they're giant and like maybe like a giant cyclops. And you'll attack it in a way where it gets tired. Then at that point, you know, it flashes R or whatever, right? You have to hit R, then you have to hit up, then you have to hit down. And he like wraps his chain around the guy's head and rubs it back and forth until his head pops up and all this blood shoots out of his esophagus. Like it, it gets disgusting, <laughs> right? And they get yeah. really in depth. And you do that, and you do that regularly throughout levels. It's not like a one-time thing. You you kill these things. Um, here are these little flying harpies, and you can just see he's attacking them. Bloods popping out. When you kill, there he goes. He rips the the wings off of that one. He he puts puts yes. his foot on its head and rips their wings off. I mean, it's violent. It is a very violent game. Um, it is a very masculine game. He gets he's super, uh, you know, uh, what's the, what, roided out. He looks roided out. He's always angry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, yeah. You, you can grab things and pull out body parts, and it, it's nuts. In fact, right there, there's fingernails of a titan moving. See him? Like, you fight, yeah. you fight the basically, the, the landscape he's on right now becomes a titan, <laughs> and you're, you're fighting that whole landscape. Um, yeah. But then the game gets so much cooler because, like, parts like this, you're climbing on walls. Uh, there's these chests you can open that will give you, uh, you know, points towards special abilities that you can, like, uh, purchase later, essentially, or build up um, attack power, magic power. It's it's so good. It uh, I, I played the first two uh, on PlayStation 2, loved them both. Played the um, PlayStation Portable 1, didn't love it as much, but I did finish it. And then for whatever reason, the PlayStation 3 one I never got into. That's kind of where I stopped. So, See, I think I have the PlayStation 3 one that I got uh, because when I got a PlayStation 3, finally, I got one just a couple of years ago. And I think it was on sale for like five or ten bucks. So I picked it up and I haven't played it yet. So, <laughs> yeah, it looks like one I need to play, though. I mean, it looks really good. This remastered this. one that you're playing in the video looks really good. You just took this guy while he's hanging on a wall, yeah. shoved a knife through his head, then bashed him into the wall repeatedly, blood flying everywhere, and throws his lifeless that, body to the ground. That's a bit gratuitous, isn't it? <laughs> and that is the point of six good games. Exactly. So that is awesome. my second pick. That looks great. So this one, um, and I, I definitely want to talk to you about this because I don't know if you've played any of these games in the series. So I picked Grand Theft Auto Vice City, but I could have very well picked Grand Theft Auto 3 too because I bought both of those on PlayStation 2 and played through them. Not really... I didn't buy them because of all the hype, like of all the violence and the old, you know, the th- the dubious themes involved in the games or whatever. But I bought them because a friend of mine did, and they looked like amazing games. And I picked Vice City because it's it's basically made in the eighties, like I mean, or based in the eighties. So there's a lot of cool eighties cars to drive around, and 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 a lot of great eighties music on the on the, um, the radio stations and stuff like that. But the thing about this is that, yes, it's ultra violent. You have guns, you can run down people, um, all sorts of gore and blood. But if you play grand theft auto games, uh, you know, three and above, they are amazing games in their own right. And they're another nonlinear game where you don't have to play the main storyline if you don't want to. You can just yeah. go do side missions. You can go do little. There's so many things to do in the city. You can be a taxi cab and drive around. You can, you can go around, do little bank robberies. You can do a bunch of crime. You can just race cars. You can try to do stunts. You can do so many. These are like the very best sandbox, like open world games because there's so much to do in them. And these games still hold up. I mean, I played Grand Theft. Um, I played the Vice City one maybe a couple of years ago, and I still remembered the streets because <laughs> I played it so much on PS2. I still remembered the city, the layout, the streets. The street of not um, Miami. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. They 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 say it's not like New York or Miami or whatever, but it kind of is. Um, but anyway. I played this game. If I looked back on my time on the PS2, um, this Vice City probably be the game I had the most hours clocked in. Yeah, like yeah. I, I there's so many ways to play it and just spend time with it. Yeah. So have no, you played it. any of the Grand Theft Auto games? 
So it's funny when the very first um, which one was three the first one that came out in this style the, the number one and yes. two were top down right one and two were top down only yep. yeah so when GTA three came out I remember uh, in, I was in, I was in college and a buddy yeah. of mine uh, got it and I was just like blown away by how you just do whatever you want but I never really played it um, the only really the only one I put time in was. Um, a couple of years ago now, I got uh, Grand Theft Auto Five because it was like ten bucks physical, yeah, somewhere. You could, and yeah, I ended up putting like thirty hours into that, thirty hours into that, and I was trying to play through the story. Um, okay, but same thing. What's cool about Five, if you've ever played it, is uh, first of all, now at this point, it's just Grand Theft Auto Online. I mean, you buy Five, yeah. but you hop online, and people are putting you know tons of money into online stuff, right? Um, yes, exactly. But if you just play the game Five. The map, first of all, it's huge, and there it is. I mean, it is. We're from California. You've been to L.A. It is L.A. Like they don't. It say, is L.A. Yeah, it is just LA. like Liberty City was New York. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's landmarks yeah. and things, the Chinese Theater and uh, the Strip and Santa Monica. Like everything is there. Uh, even mm-hmm. like like little areas outside of L.A. that you're like, wow, this is in there. Like Coronado, which you know by San Diego. Like you go to this little yeah. island, you're like, okay, that's Coronado, and then you go inland, and there's just just like kind of dumpy, homeless, white trash kind of area. Sorry to put it that yeah. way, but and I'm like, <laughs> right. and I'm like, and I see this nasty looking lake, and I'm like, dude, is that the Salton Sea? And it absolutely is. And there's just like these beat up, terrible areas by the Salton Sea, which if you go there in person, they, I mean, that's kind of how it is. Um, right, crazy part of the the world, by the way, <laughs> the Salton Sea. Um, I, I suggest anybody who doesn't know what the Salton Sea is to look it up. It's this lake that was like man-made to become this d- destination in the 50s where everyone would hang out and water ski and all the rich people would go. And then they cut off the water supply and it just dried up. And so all the salt and all the fish were like taken from this ginormous lake to this really small lake. And now there's just literally the when you walk on the beach all around the entire lake, it's dead fish bones. It's not sand. Oh it's just broken God. dead fish bones. It's the craziest thing. Um, that I, is nuts. I even have a, a, a mason jar filled with a little bit of that sand because you can see the like spines. It's gross. It's weird. Um, anyways, so yeah, I, I, I can get lost in these games, and I totally see what you're getting at. And I think, I think it's a good call. I did have to stop eventually just because... It was so open-ended. I just like, all right, I want to be able to finish something. <laughs> it's a time suck for sure. I yep. mean, but if you enjoy it, it's fun to just go back. I love just driving around in this game. Yeah. Um, Stealing cars. And I, I do love what, yeah. One of my favorite things in this game is like taking a car and then trying to escalate your police, like a uh, profile. Cause these like these little stars and they fill up. Yeah. As you get more attention from police and then eventually they bring out helicopters and then SWAT teams and then tanks. Eventually the national guard is called out and really just becomes a game of how long can you survive until yep. they get you. And, uh, that to me is so much fun. Like I could spend an afternoon just playing ETA and I have, I I'm like you, I bought five, like super dirt cheap. I think on my PlayStation on my Xbox one and, uh, you could just drive around that game in an afternoon and just have a blast. So yeah. Anyway, that's my pick. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto. Um, I, I think it's one of the most innovative games there is. I mean, I even even oh, yeah. if if you don't like the theme, it's like it 
there's nothing like it. It's just so awesome. Well, now a lot of things try to be like it, but no, I, yep. I get you. I get you. Yep. All right. I'm going more retro now, Eric. I'm finally getting back retro. Okay. And this segment's called Let's Taste get Good Games. I'm not sure if this yeah. is as good of a game, really. It's not a great game by any means, <laughs> but it is a good example of a retro game that is shocking in multiple ways. Um, so what I'm talking about is the arcade game, Chiller. Now, sure. what's crazy about Chiller, so we're talking about, uh, man, I don't even know what year this was released, probably late 80s, mid mid to late 80s. Yeah. So we're talking about, you know, when people dying in a game really wasn't shown. Um, you never had blood. This is even before Nintendo and, you know, the Super NES and the Genesis, like Mortal Kombat being um, covered up so you didn't see, you know, it was green or blue sweat instead of blood, you know, on the Super Nintendo version and all that. This is before all that. And not only that, this was an arcade game just kind of placed in public. Yeah. So what Chiller was is a light gun game, shooting gallery. Look, when I go on YouTube today, I still have to sign in to confirm my age. That's how that's how <laughs> shockingly gory this game is. Yes, um, this is violent. Which is funny because I I don't have a YouTube account, so I can't even I can't even sign in. Um, so let's go ahead and see if this guy has anything worth worth looking here. But it's a light gun game, and all it is is a um, shooting gallery. There you go. Contains mature themes. Viewer discretion advised. Um, I'm going to get to the actual gameplay here because this is like a... Here we go. So you can choose like six different areas. And like the number one area that whenever I hear a chiller, that's what I think of. This is the torture room. The torture chamber. Jeez. Oh, so you yeah. just show up. You're in a room. Again, this is like in public, right? An arcade machine in public. There are like people who are, you know... Their privates are covered, but they're basically... There's a guy, like, chained to the wall, a woman in, like, an Iron Maiden, a guy with his head in a vice, and they're already, like, bleeding like they've been tortured. Like, I just... It's hard for me to even say this stuff, how gross it really is. And it's a shooting gallery, which means these things that are happening, you can shoot, like, the flesh off these people, and it just exposes their bones underneath. You can shoot... Right now, he's shooting the vice press to squish this guy's head, and it just popped... Um, yeah. there's just random people's severed heads on the wall. You can shoot those off the wall. Like it's gross. Like even, even yeah, though this the graphics one, are terrible, this is gross. <laughs> yeah. This, this looks like it was a game that was made just to shock. It was shot for the shock and awe. And there was a, a version of this on the Nintendo entertainment system of all things. Cause I've never played this game before. This is the first time I've even seen the footage. I've played it once just to be like, really? What? Um, I forget what this one's called, like Dungeon of Blood or something. There's a river of blood just going by. Yeah. And again... So what, can I ask you this? What is the point of the game? Are you trying to save these people or are you trying to kill them? No, it's it's a shooting gallery. It is literally... So are you to, trying to kill them? Just shoot as much stuff as possible. You get points for shooting things. <laughs> like it's, it's Look, at there's just an arm so and a leg floating down the river there. You can shoot yeah. that for 100 points. So they're already being tortured and dying, but your goal is just to shoot everything. Yep. And just destroy all the flesh and all the terrible things that you see. Um, This is a later level. At this point, it's just like this haunted um, underground area, which is actually the least grotesque part. You're just shooting like evil skulls and things that are going by. 
Uh, here's a graveyard, which there's a uh, actually a topless woman there. That's also shocking in a different way. It's not wow. It's not terribly detailed, but you get the idea. Uh, here's yeah. a a guy I mean, a guy walking by with a wheelbarrow of body parts. You can shoot those. It's just crazy. <laughs> it, it it blows my mind that this was. Here's the NES game. Yeah, like a, like a guillotine just came down and chopped a person's head off on a Nintendo game. Like they don't have the blood on this one, but you can still shoot their body parts and they like disappear, and then it leaves just the legs. So, so I imagine that this Nintendo one was a zapper game. Like you could use the zapper on it. That's my understanding. That right? That's my understanding. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking, but a good conclusion to our six good game segments on blood and gore in video games. Specifically, yeah, that's a good conclusion. Excellent. Specifically retro video games. Um, so that is an episode Excellent. of Six Good Games and an episode of Pixel Guide N. Wow, we got through it. We made it. We made it. Uh, First episode of October in the books. Yep, yep. So I, I, again, I apologize if the uh, the production quality isn't what it has been in the past. We're going to get back to it after I figure this uh, new house situation out. Appreciate you guys. Uh, appreciate you guys for hanging in there. Uh, when we come back on the 30th of October, you are going to hear Eric's take. He's going to talk about his Ode to Fall. Ode to Fall. Of course, Tim is going to join us. I think Tim has a game show all ready to go. And then um, we've got uh, Battle of the Systems between Twinkle Star Sprites and the other game, Eric. Twinkle Tail. Twinkle Tail. It's called oh. Twinkle Tail on Genesis versus Poppin' Twinbee. Poppin' Twinbee, thank you. I always say t- Twinkle Star Sprites because that's the one I know, which yeah, came no, this from one's Twinkle, called Twinkle Tail. Tail, which which I had never heard of before either. But turns out it was a good game, so it was a good pick for Tim. Um, and we're going to cover uh, catching up, right? And we're going to catch up on all the things you two have been doing, and like the very few things I've been doing. And that's okay. You can hear us banter <laughs> on and on. I know Tim's got some boxes to open, so that should be fun. One of them, one of them was from us. This is true. I'm curious I, where the other one came from. And I know there's some goodies in there because I know you put a lot of goodies in there and I put some stuff in there, but I also put a secret Ooh. goodie in there for him. So I'm hoping that uh, I hope he's careful when he opens it because uh, I, I don't want him to scratch it with a knife or something, but I'll, I'll try to ho- warn him before he opens it. I was hoping that for Halloween, you put like a... Um like a, a snake on a spring, so it jumped out no, in his face. I didn't do anything. Didn't, this isn't a good, good a good thing. So you know what they call uh, those fake snakes that jump out at you in uh, England? <laughs> a, a stringy lorry. A springy lorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a springy lorry! <laughs> wow, that joke was amazing. All right, all right. Um, yeah, Eric. Let's I guess, land this. I guess we have to we have to finish this thing up. So until yep. next time, remember. It's It's dangerous dangerous to to go go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. 
please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>